Uh, I feel a little weird tonight. I feel a little weird about what I have to say. And so I'm going to pray uh, and just ask the Lord for special help. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully have a good time. Uh, Father God, thank you, for, thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for getting us through this semester. Thank you for how you've been, um, I believe you've been helping everyone with their classes, Lord. I pray that you would help people to, everyone to finish strong and be encouraged and to finish well. Lord God, I pray that you would uh, open up our hearts tonight, all of our hearts, Lord. Speak to us. Um, Lord, you know I feel weird about what I'm saying tonight, Lord God, but Lord, um, either, either, either what I have, Lord God, is uh, I missed it and I didn't hear you. Lord God, and uh, and I know that's okay because Lord, you spoke you spoke to Balaam the prophet through a donkey, Lord God, and so I know that you can speak through an imperfect man um, like myself. And Lord God, if what I have to say, Lord, is um is what you have given me, Lord, then um just whatever it is that has me uh, feeling the way that I feel, you know, take that away, Lord, and help me to just uh, walk in your freedom. Lord God, we believe you are a God who is alive today, and we're listening, hoping that you speak to all of us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's funny I start with a prayer like that with what I'm talking about tonight because this is only one person, two people know how how fun, funny that is. I think that um, part of me is convinced that, and I wasn't, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I have my notes, but I'm going to go away from them a little bit tonight just and just try to say it yeah as real as and as natural as possible and I'll just throw some stuff in but I wasn't planning on saying this but I'll go ahead and say this I think that uh what I have to talk about tonight is is kind of you different and so because it's so different um hey I, I we believe the devil is real we believe that because Jesus believed that the devil was real and so we take him seriously because he took him seriously and I do not believe that the devil likes what we're going to talk about tonight. What we're going to talk about tonight is spiritual warfare. And when I say what we're going to talk about, you're going to be like, well, this is kind of strange. But by the end, I think you'll understand. Ah, So only two people in this room know what I'm talking about tonight. In fact, only two people would all know what I'm talking about tonight. I've kept it a secret from the rest of the staff. There are certain things that we, we talk about and you know, as we come to a close in our conviction series, this series is things that we are, these are things that we hope and pray would be convictions in your lives, things that help you to thrive as a lifelong follower of Jesus here at WVU and then beyond. And this thing is very interesting because it, it basically, it's always in the minivan of what we talk about, but it's never riding shotgun. And tonight, it rides shotgun we were going to talk about being a servant. If you hang around, hang out with us enough, you hear us talk about that a little bit. We haven't said any, everything there is to say about it, but we do talk about that. We also wanted to talk about love. We haven't talked about the conviction that we have about love, but we talk about love a lot. And so, though we haven't said every, every, everything there is to say about that, because it's such a full subject, that one we talked about as well. And we, you could talk about the cost of following Jesus. These are things that are convictions for us. But tonight, we're going to talk about something that is always talked about, but is never really talked about at the same time. We're going to talk about fun and laughter and joy. 
the reason that I think this is serious spiritual warfare is because I think the enemy, he, he thinks that he has this on locks. He thinks that this is something where only he knows how to do it. And if you're going to be about having fun, then you can't really be in the church. Because people think of Christianity as serious, solemn, sober business. Does that, does that make sense? Something where you read the Bible, I, I, I've been having some fun asking people this question, do you think that there's humor in the Bible? And most people are like, not at all. No, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any humor. And, and well, do you see any humor in the things that Jesus says? No. And one person said to me, he's, he's a serious guy, and he has serious things to say. And so there's, there's no jokes there. And I was like, hmm. Well, we'll see. We're going to look at Matthew 23, and we're going to start there. Tonight, maybe one reason why I feel a little funny about tonight is because it's not, it's the opposite of what I like. I like, I like things to be linear. I like to go in a straight line. I like to, okay, I came from there. We're going to go here now. We came from here. We're going to go there now. Tonight isn't the most linear thing because I think what I've done is I've tried to talk about four or five different things, and we only have about 30 minutes. So... It's going to be a little bit all over the place. I'm going to try to go and take my time, and I'm going to try to be as kind as possible, but forgive me. Forgive me for that. Looking at Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to a bunch of Pharisees. This is coming to the end of his ministry right before he dies on the cross. And this is Matthew 23, verses 23 through 28. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guide, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the, cu- of the cup and the plate, but the inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Ooh. That sounded like fun. <laughs> Did anybody see anything wrong with the way that I read that? No one's shaking their head up and down. I wasn't having fun. Thank you, Michael. A couple other heads nodded. That doesn't seem like a very fun passage. It doesn't. So, Charles, most of y'all know Charles. Charles has got me onto this guy. He's a, he's a, he was a chaplain out in Stanford. His name was Elton Trueblood, and he has a book called The Humor of Christ. And so it's a very interesting book. I was like, oh, okay, let me, let me dabble with this. And so I was reading it, and he points out exactly what I said earlier, that most people think about the Bible as pretty serious business. And we don't even realize that many times Jesus is using hyperbole and ridiculous examples to bring humor to a situation. And this is one of those times. Now, every time that I've read this and heard somebody else read it or heard it preached on, it's pretty angry. There's usually yelling going on when this is read. 
But he and others said that that's not the tone that you should read that with because that's not the tone that Jesus had. What did Jesus intend to communicate when he said this? This is how, this is how we should be encouraged to read this, True Blood would say and others. Woe means, first of all, something that causes sorrow or distress, just to get you, help you to understand this. And I'm going to reread this. I put it up there. I'm not going to say, you're not going to see what I read, but you looking at it is going to help you. I'm going to fill in. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, kind of like the Message Bible. I usually don't like doing things like this. I'm usually afraid to do things like this. But in this one situation, I will do this, and I'm, forgive me, if you have a stone, throw it afterwards, not during. That would be really bloody, and you don't want to mess up the carpet. Verse 23, Jesus says, Pharisees and scribes, this is troubling. Can't you see that you don't practice what you preach? For you are tithing the right things, the good things, but you have neglected weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. These three you should have done without neglecting the others. Guys, you don't see clearly. Yet, you were trying to lead others. You were so bad at seeing that you strain out a gnat. You go to the furthest extreme to follow the smallest matters of the law, yet you swallow a camel. Did you hear me? You were using tweezers to strain out a gnat in order to not eat the bad parts of a gnat, yet you were swallowing a camel in, order, in regards to the weight of your sins. You didn't realize it was a camel after the first hump? No? The second hump? No? You couldn't taste each leg? Pharisees and scribes, this is troubling. You can't see that you don't practice what you preach. Do you realize that you are cleaning the outside of the cup in the home of your heart, but you are leaving the inside as dirty as it was before? Come on, guys. You know this is disgusting. You have invited people to over to your house, and you clean the dishes, but you only clean the back of dishes and the outside of cups. That's disgusting. <laughs> and that's what you're doing. You're keeping the, your greed and your self-indulgence. Guys, you aren't seeing clearly. Verse 26, let me tell you guys how it is done. First, clean the inside of the cup and the plate, the part that the people need clean the most, and then clean the outside. Christianity works from the outside in, not the inside out. Oh, that was like a totally different passage. Trueblood goes on to say that in his book, that the point of humor is to alleviate and reveal to alleviate and reveal. And this is a quote by directly out of the book. It is very important to understand that the evident purpose of Christ's humor is to, is to clarify and increase understanding rather than to hurt. Perhaps some hurt is inevitable, especially when human pride is rendered ridiculous, but the clear aim is something other than harm. Most of Christ's humor is not like sarcasm, which is more cutting down or a punch in the face, but it is impersonal, impersonal an unrivaled politeness, near a smile, often no more than a smile. The attack, the attack on the Pharisees in Matthew 23 may be strong when, you focus, when the focus is the Pharisaic attitude, but it is not an attack upon an individual Pharisee. He's not attacking people. He's attacking their attitude as a group. Last week I was in San Francisco, got to go visit, uh, like, 
I go there often. I got to go there with my dad, and it was really fun. Uh, you know, we were hanging out there. It's a beautiful place. If anybody's ever been to San Francisco, beautiful place. If you're ever going to San Francisco, you'll enjoy it. Hey, what's you from out there? I was going to ask you about that. He lived in the woods in, uh, outside San Francisco. The Sierras, right? Nice. Beautiful. When I was there, I was talking to a financial consultant and a university booster. Just, I was reading this book, and, and he walked up to me and was like, oh, what are you reading? And I didn't expect to have a conversation like this in San Francisco, but he was like, oh, that's really cool. So this, and well, I went and told him what the book was about, and he was like, oh, that's really cool. This is really interesting. You know, so what does he say about Jesus' humor? And I explained what he, exactly what I just told you, and he's like, man, that is so interesting. He said, I totally agree with, with what this author is saying because that's exactly what we do. That's exactly what we do in the political and business world. We use humor to alleviate tension so that revelation can come to the person. You alleviate the tension that is there, and then you bring about revelation so that self-discovery can happen. Some of you are like, ah, I'm kind of tracking with you kind of don't understand. Maybe this will help you to see. I used to be a teacher. I say that. I, re- I usually have some teaching story once every couple of months, and here's my, you know, uh, other monthly teaching story. Basically, I was teaching, and the student turned in a paper, noticed it, and I was like, bro, this is serious plagiarism. It wasn't even, like, serious. It was, like, it was a joke. I mean, it was, like, it was comical. And so I started laughing in front of him. And I was like, you, you got to be joking me. This is, this is, you, are you really going to turn this into me? Like, this is, this is verbatim. Like, you didn't even reword the sentences, buddy. Like, this is so bad. And he gets mad at me and he says, why are you laughing at me? Don't laugh at me. And he starts to make a scene in the class. And so I'm like, all right, well, nobody else is paying attention to our conversation until now. Let's go outside. So we go outside and I'm still laughing because it's just comical. And then he's like, he's like, why are you laughing at me, Mr. Goody? And I'm like, because this is ridiculous. You just brought someone else's paper in here thinking that this was, this was like, I was going to be fooled. You turned in someone else's work, and you think this is okay. This is, this is hilarious. I'm totally going to laugh. You know this is ridiculous. And he looked at me, and he was like, it is ridiculous. I am sorry. And I was like, you should be. This is, this is, this is actually really bad. I could go and tell the principal right now, and, and you get in a whole lot of trouble. And he was like, I know. I was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go, and we're going to cut off 15 points from the top, and you're going to rewrite this. You're going to write it, not someone else. And then the highest grade you can get is an 85. So turn it in on Monday. And he was like, okay. But in that situation, humor was used in order to relax the environment and to help this guy to see how ridiculous it was what he did. That booster, that what he said, he, he, he made a point to say that it's just truth. It, it's just true. When it comes to psychology, when there is tension, people have trouble seeing clearly what is true. They have trouble seeing who they really are. And so if a situation is too tense, you have to use humor in order to lighten it to help them to see clearly. This is a good conversation. I didn't expect I didn't expect to have a conversation like that in San Francisco, but I was pleasantly surprised. Jesus mentions this because his goal with the Pharisees and with us is revelation. He wants to reveal 
to the Pharisees what their error, error is, and he wants to reveal to the Pharisees what their error was and who they really were. And so, uh, don't let this throw you off. She's recording for a class. So, just to help make some things clear. He's just trying to bring, he's just trying to bring illumination to these guys. The reason I say this is because before we go any further when it comes to fun, and I, don't worry, this is the Bible study portion of what I had to say, so you're like, man, this is a serious fun message. Well, it's because in order to have fun, 75% of having fun is, is what I'm about to say next. All of that was to set up what I'm about to say next. It's a very simple question that everyone has to ask themselves. Are you okay with being laughed at? Are you okay with laughing at yourself? Do you take yourself so seriously that nothing can be a joke with you? Everything, you're so focused on doing everything right that you can't be corrected. You can't be redirected. People can't laugh with you. They can't laugh at you. They can't laugh at all. Me? Sometimes I can be laughed at. Matters if I think it's serious. If I think it's serious, I definitely can't be laughed at. Christianity? (laughs) Man, I really struggle with allowing myself to be laughed at when it comes to this. Like, if you walk up to me and you're like, ah, Jordan, that was a very questionable sermon. On a good day, I'd be like, ah, what do you mean? Okay, explain. Oh, okay, that's a really good point. I've never thought about that. On a bad day, oh, man, watch out. You run. Like, I... (laughs) I just, uh, when you see the smoke come out of the ears, it's just a sign, back away slowly, act like nothing happened, and then don't look back. Like, no, but I really struggle with not taking things too seriously. Another place is playing basketball. Some people play basketball with me. Sometimes, sometimes my shot isn't falling, and it's not okay, and I'm super serious. And, and it's, not a, it's, it's not a game anymore. It's not about fun anymore. It's about having everything together, looking like whatever play I think I ought to look like. A person that you should play basketball with is Max. Max is so much fun to play basketball with. There's a handful of people here who play basketball with me. Uh, Damani, Max, who else? Michael, Adam. Who else plays basketball with me? Alec, you've played with me. Okay, that's, that's, that's the group, Brandon. There we go. You all have seen, I have, I have a spiritual gift when it comes to basketball. <laughs> not regarding skill. No, no, no. Regarding rage and anger. Not for me, usually, but from the people around me. I just attract drama. I, I, I am drama. Like, you know how, like, in whatever group is there's drama in the group? That's me on the basketball court. I just, people get mad when they play me, and I don't know what it is. I don't even do anything. Most of the time. <laughs> Most. Damani, I know what your thought was first. His thought was, what about that time you threw the ball at that guy's face? <laughs> yes, that did happen, but that was a pass to Damani, and his face got in the way. <laughs> and because I wanted to squeeze it through like five different guys, I threw it quite hard. And so it hit him, but he was right here. He was furious. <laughs> he wanted to fight me. But for real, I really do attract drama on the basketball court. And so I'm playing with Max a couple weeks ago, and Max is, well, Max is the opposite. He's, he is unbelievably ridiculous, and he does not mind laughing 
at himself and being laughed at. We're playing this game. Guys are getting really heated. It's my spiritual gift is really working that day. Guys are super angry, and they are arguing. And so the guy guarding me, I mean, it's game one, first game of the day. And this, this, this guy, he's guarding me, and he's like, man, y'all need to stop being a bunch of. And so he used some colorful words. After, this was after Michael called a foul. He didn't think it was okay. And then some, he was the nice one. The rest of his teammates were even more mad. And so it was like, and then I was like, hey, man, that's, that's, that we, don't, we don't deserve that. We respect your call, respect ours. He's like, no, then stop being a bunch of, and then a few more colorful words. And then so I was like, come on, man. Like, we're, we're just trying to have fun. Let's just have fun out here. And he's like, man, no. And so he goes off muttering. And so the next play starts, and then Max does something where he calls a foul, and they, like, hands go immediately, ah, and, and they're furious. But Max, if you keep your eye on him, what he does is he not only calls a foul, he's going for a shot, and then when he gets fouled, he goes like, foul, and then he dives on the ground and, like, starts writhing on the ground, like, calling the foul, and then, no lie, the guys who were just cursing us out went from being like, yo, man, that is a, yeah, And they just start laughing at Max, and it kills all the air, all the tension in the room. And immediately, we're just having fun playing basketball. And he went on to with more of his comedic actions, and they loved it. So much so that by the end, you know, we beat them by one point. We did that. <laughs> but we, we beat them by one point. It was an intense game. But by the end, you know, people were shaking hands, and it wasn't, like, super furious. And it was, so, it was so cool because we ended up playing those guys three more times. They won once, and then we won again. And when I left, when I was leaving, the guy, the guy who would – colorful language guy. He was like, hey, man, you leaving? And I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'm out. I'm, I'm exhausted. He's like, oh, I was hoping to play you again. I was like, nah, nah, you make me work too hard on defense. I don't want to play anymore. And then he was, like, he was like, all right, man, hey, have a good day. And it was just like, that was Max. That was Max. He did not taking himself seriously, not so caught up in getting it right. Like, man, we have a huge conviction for fun, a huge conviction for fun, enjoying ourselves, being ridiculous. And, yeah, sometimes that can go too far. And, and if it goes too far, then help us, help us to see that. But we want to have fun. Like, a lot of people, they just think Christianity is serious, sober, solemn business. And that's just not, God created laughter. He has a sense of humor because he made us in his image. And what else do you see in the animal kingdom that laughs like we do? Yes, hyenas, but, <laughs> but is it real laughter or does it just sound like a laugh? And I said like we do. I made sure I covered myself on that. Like we do. Like, there's some serious stuff going on when it comes to laughter. I'm skipping ahead, Sean, so have mercy on me with the slides. Probably all over the, all over the place on my slides tonight. In Proverbs 17.22, it says, A merry heart doeth good like, a, like medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. There's an old saying in, uh, in the South. People like to say it. Church people like to say, If you're a believer, notify your face. Some of y'all have heard that. If you're a believer, notify your face. 
there was there was a study done with some people basically who they were in they were in this place working and they couldn't not working there were some older people who were sick and they were not getting better there we go and as they were not getting better the people on staff didn't know what to do these people they just kept getting worse and worse and worse and so somebody had this idea done idea where they took the people out the patients and had them watch children laugh at a park for several hours a day. And they noticed that the people started getting better. And they started to see a correlation between physical health, improved health, and laughter. The more you laugh, the more it is like medicine to your bones. Friends, so many times we take ourselves so seriously and Christianity so seriously that we can't just give ourselves a break. The average child laughs over 150 times a day. Zoe laughs at everything. She laughs when she does something right. She laughs when, so when, I, when she does something wrong. She laughs when I do something. She'll say, ah, daddy silly, ah, daddy funny. She's always laughing at different things. She's always making fun of different things, not to tear me down or not to tear herself down, just not taking herself so seriously. She makes a mistake, and she can laugh about it, and she can just try to do better later on. Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom, you must enter it as a child does. Somebody who I really enjoy being around is Brooklyn. Brooklyn didn't know that I was going to talk about her. I went on a mission trip with Brooklyn to Atlanta Dream Center. We went to go see Louis Giglio in Atlanta. It was really cool. Passion City Church. Some people already know where I'm going with this. Soon as we brought it up that we're, this is where we're going, Brooklyn was like, oh, hold on. Where, where we're going there? Oh, oh, my gosh. And then she starts yelling. Maybe not yelling, but she, she did start shaking. And she, she started, like, like, just saying all these different things. Oh, we're going to see this. Oh, we'll see Christian Stanfield. Oh, and this. And oh, I've just been waiting for this. And oh, oh my gosh, I didn't know we were going to. Oh, I got to calm down. I got to calm down. This is, I'm, this is what she said. She, 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 can, she can attest to this. This is how she reacted. But she wasn't afraid to be amazed and to have wonder. A child is amazed at the world around them. And sometimes we think that, oh, especially in this hipster culture that we're in, oh my gosh, you gotta, you, you have to act like you're a professional before you even experience things because that's what's cool. That's what's hot in the streets. That's not hot in the streets. <laughs> that, is, that is whack. That is, and that leads to like you being boring. Like, why be cool? Look, I, look last week, I, I'll, I'll, I rode first class for the first time ever. And, uh, and, and I don't know when I'll ride it again. I, pro I probably won't. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't pay for the ticket. Somebody said, hey, you're riding in first class. I was like, oh, sure. And so <laughs> I'm riding in first class. And I had this conversation in my mind where I was like, okay, I can, I can act like I've been here before. And I can try to act like I know where everything is. But these seats are different. I don't even know how to pull out the tray table. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. They walk over with a hot towel. I don't know what that means. I don't know what you do. <laughs> and, I, and so they came out with the hot towel like 30 minutes in. And they hand it to me. And so I like looked out the corner of my eye at everybody else at what they did with the towel. Because I didn't know what to do with the towel. I'm like, all right, well, yeah, I've never been here before. 
but I didn't want them to see that. And then I just clicked him. I was like, why do you have to look like a professional in this place, man? Who are you trying to impress? I think about Zoe. She's not trying to impress anyone. Brooklyn wasn't trying to impress anyone when she was getting all excited about Passion City Church. She just let herself be excited and live life. I mean, this world doesn't need professionals, and Jesus didn't call us to be professionals. He called us to be like children, not to take ourselves serious, so seriously that we got to have it all together and not being in a place where we can't learn and we can't grow. You know, going back to the Pharisees, some people were like, ah, man, why did he bring up the Pharisees? What, what does it have to do with all this? It was so cool to me. It was so cool to me that Jesus said what he said to the Pharisees because, you know, if you go back and read the Gospels, he speaks very, very little with another group of religious leaders called the Sadducees. Quick history lesson. I like history. Sorry. Forgive me. Quick history lesson. The Pharisees were one religious group. They were obsessed about being devoted to the law, looking like God and, and, and living out to the T what he asked us to do. There's another group called the Sadducees. They were the political and the financial. They were higher in that regard, but they were lower in the people's regard because they didn't care so much about the law. Jesus didn't speak much with these guys because they didn't care about God that much. He went to go eat. He hung out. He let himself be rebuked over and over and over again, and he continually approached this group of people because though they were hypocrites, they were hypocrites who were trying to do it right, and Jesus saw that. So much so that when you go back and read the book of, the book of Acts written by Luke, Pharisees have a very big place in that book. Many become believers. Many become influential leaders in the church when you read Luke 15. Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee. God loved the Pharisees, and he was fighting for them because these guys wanted to do it right. They just didn't do it well. Yes, they did end up killing Jesus, but that didn't stop them being pursued. And he eventually won many of them especially when you go and read the accounts of the early church. I just think that's so cool. That's just a little, that's just a little side thing. As I come closer to the end, one reason why I was afraid to talk about this tonight was because I knew I wouldn't do it any justice. One problem with fun, this is such a big subject, and, and it, really deserves, it really deserves a couple hours because it's been so abused that we don't even know how to do it right. We don't. We run from it. We let the campus go and do whatever they want, and they get to claim the title fun and say that this is really fun. When, you, when so many things that goes on out there, not everyone, but the majority. When we look at the culture of our campus, they say this is real partying, this is real life. They don't get to claim that, though. That was God's. He is the one who loves to party. He is, Katie said it earlier, he is the master of ceremonies. He is the ultimate MC. He is the one who wants to take this, this thing called fun, this thing called laughter, this thing called joy, 
and show it how it's supposed to really be used. You go back and you read Luke 15. When sinners come to repentance, what does it say? That there's going to be a party thrown in heaven over them, over one sinner who repents. And you go and you read Revelations. The end of Revelations, you see that the end of Revelations, you go and you see at the very end, after some really ugly things have gone on, you see this statement where God says, now the dwelling of, the dwelling of God will be with man again. And man and God are reunited. And there's a new heaven and there's a new earth. And there is this celebration the celebration that is supposed to go on for all of eternity. A friend of ours, he used to love saying this. He said, it's so interesting that God created the world in seven days. It only took him seven days to create the world. And then he would go on to say, but he's been creating a place for you and me for 2,000 years. He said, he is the ultimate party animal, and he wants to throw the biggest party with each and every one of us. The campus... A lot of people in this world, the enemy, he says that fun and laughter and joy, these things are on locks. These things are his. But these things are spiritual warfare because when we do it right, you can't be beaten. When you have real joy, real excitement, when people realize that you can have fun and not hate yourself the next day or not take advantage of someone, so much so that you can't even look them in the eye a couple weeks later when you see them again on campus, when you realize that you don't have to be 21 in order to experience this joy and this excitement, when people realize that this kind of fun, this kind of fun lasts and it builds. We're trying to build this culture. We're trying to have fun. We want this to be at the heart of who we are and we want this to be who you are so that whenever people go and hang out with you after you leave here, every time they're around you, it's like being around Max. It's like a party going on. It's, it, is, it just relieves tension, and it helps people to not take themselves so seriously, not be so stressed out about the world that they live in, and to think that maybe there's hope because this person has a hope that isn't based on what's going on around me. Sorry if I'm all over the place. Sorry for some people who I've lost. I knew I tried to say too many things tonight, but I just wanted to get it right because so many people in the church have got it wrong. Not all the church, but many, including me, thinking Christianity is overly serious business. You get to church and you put on this veneer, this fake, fake person, because you think that's what being a Christian is. You don't let yourself relax. You don't let yourself have fun. You don't let yourself enjoy life. I think it's so cool, and as I come to a close, I think it's so cool thinking about the resurrection and thinking about laughter and stuff and fun. You know, yesterday was Easter. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again, and we celebrate this. It is so crazy to me, so crazy, that none of the authors in the Bible faked it, that they didn't lie. I try not to say other comments about other religions, but I will say this. Usually when you read other religious texts, the person who wrote it usually has a very, like, they're awesome. 
They don't they don't make mistakes. They have everything together. It's just they they just they just did it. They were they were like bam. And usually they're most they're they're extremely res- respected after that as almost being as perfect as the deity that they worship. In the Bible, it's a funny thing how the Bible loves to be honest about its heroes. It makes me it's one of the things that makes me so sure that the Bible was credible. You go back and you read about the resurrection. <laughs> it is so crazy to me that Jesus said over and over again that he would die and rise again. And and they didn't get it. They totally missed it. They totally missed it so much so that they weren't even there when he rose again. Think about that. If you were, if, let's say we were, if I, if me, if I was that egotistical that I would make up my own religion and I would make up Jesus, I would, look, I'm going to look good if I do it. I'm going to go and I'm going to say when he comes out of that tomb, oh, yeah, we were there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we had the band ready. I had my family and my friends with me because I was like, look, y'all made fun of me for following him around, but here he is right now, and I'm about to prove it to you. He's coming back from the dead. You saw him die, but watch this. Everyone would be there. I would say we were all there. The tomb was right over there, and we were waiting, and we were like five, four, (laughs) three, two. Get the band going. There's the the tomb. There it is. Uh, see, bam, I told you. Like, that's exactly what I would do. Jesus came out, and no one was there. No one was there. And it was so ridiculous that later on, Mary Magdalene, which is just another th- reason why the Bible is so credible, was a woman, back then, a woman's testimony wasn't admissible in court. So you would never have a woman be a witness. The fact that they are willing to write that the first eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection were women and not men, come on. They were okay with being honest. They weren't writing, they weren't making up a story. Anyways, but Mary Magdalene is there, and then she comes, she's weeping because they think that they stole, that she thinks that they stole her Savior's body away. And Jesus is talking to her, and she doesn't even recognize his voice. And then he says these words where he says, Mary, and she knew the way that he said her name, and she knew. That's just so cool to me. But it's also so comical. They didn't get it. They missed it. They totally missed it. That is, I don't have to read the Bible with these lens where it's such a serious book that there isn't humor in it, that there isn't ridiculous things that go on, because the writers of the Bible, it wasn't as serious of a book as we make it out to be. Yes, it's serious in the fact that it can give us life or it can lead us the way to life and life everlasting, but it is not serious in the sense where there are certain things that we can chuckle at. Jesus said, it is harder for a rich man, it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom than it is for it to pass a camel to pass through the eye of the needle. That was a comical statement back then. It's hard for us to catch that now. But there's humor there. Whether I lost you on that or not, please hear this. It's so interesting when you go back and you look at history and you see that the people in the early church, many of them were martyred. But as they were martyred, the church continued to grow. And historians have really enjoyed uh, actually, I haven't really enjoyed some have Christian historians have the fact that the church grew as the martyrdoms increased. People were 
you know, Mark was, they put hooks in his skin and dragged him around the city until he bled out. Nero enjoyed setting Christians on fire as, as comedy. They would put animal clothes on, early, on, on Christians and throw them into the gladiatorial arenas, and then they'd have the animals eat them up in front of everyone. They'd set them on fire. They'd, they'd impale them. They'd do all these different things. You're like, man, this sounds, this sounds terrible. One reason that it spoke to people so much was not just their willingness to die, but it was how well they died. They died singing praises to God. Some died literally preaching while they were set on fire till they could speak no more. They, saw, they died singing worship songs. They died praying for their enemies. Jesus rising from the dead, that means that sin, death, and the devil, all of these have been defeated. And he has, been, he has proven that he is the conqueror. Sin no longer has to be my destiny. I can be freed from this. The devil, he is no longer my accuser who can tell me who I am. I am a child of God now. If I would believe in him. Sin, death, the devil. Death is no longer my destiny. I have hope. I didn't expect for the sermon to be as serious as it was. But I do know this. I have so much hope, whether this sermon is understood or not, whether you catch it or not. This sermon doesn't define me. The sermon doesn't define me. I can laugh and enjoy life even beyond this. For you, your grades don't have to define you. It doesn't have to be your destiny. Your circumstances don't have to be what decides whether you have fun or not. You can have a joy that goes beyond that. You can enjoy who he is and what he's done, and that can be enough. <sighs> Lord God, fun has been stolen by the enemy, and he has stolen it and said, ah, this is mine. But Lord God, we want to rewrite that. What is the standard of this world? We want to rewrite that, Lord God. Help us, Jesus. Help us to set about creating a culture where fun abounds, where we are able to laugh at ourselves, to be like children before you, not taking ourselves, ourselves so seriously that we can't have wonder with this world, not trying to act like we're professionals, Lord God. Help us, Lord God. Lord, speak through all of my words that are all over the place tonight. Speak, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to, to see that, Jesus, you rose again. The world around me is no longer, it no longer decides how good and how bad things are. Your destiny, the destiny that you have recreated with rising from the dead, that is my destiny, and I pray, Lord God, that I would walk in that, and I would proclaim that in every, every conversation I have and everywhere I go. I thank you, Lord God, for who you are, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.